Welcome to another edition of Techman Talks Dynamics. We are back in the CRM world today and it's that time of year. It seems about 10 minutes since we did this earlier in the year, but it's the time where Microsoft have announced what is happening with the product. They've waved to release that comes out around about October time normally. Um, and they've, they've given us the first uh, bunch of information about what's going to come out. It's not definitive, things can change, but but we've, or you, I won't say we, you've, you've selected a, a few highlights from, from that. Uh, announcement. Yeah, um, uh, we'll try and go through um, the the core CRM wave two. Um, so sales, customer service, marketing. Take those three, um, and then uh, try and go over some of the power platform pieces as well. Um, what is a lot still to go through? Some are quite subtle changes and small changes, um, but quite important changes as well. So. Um, should we start with sales? We might as well. Yeah, I think uh, it's still the one that probably is the headline part of CRM, isn't it? So let's let's start with sales. So so what have you picked out from there that you think's of interest? So I think um, I think there's two uh, that that stand out. Uh, you've got sales accelerator. This this concept of sales accelerator within CRM. We've got tasks, activities, etc., to do. Sales Accelerator is a way of trying to help define a set of activities to help salespeople be more structured, Good luck. <laughs> I guess, in, yeah. their, in their approach. Um, and they, they, I guess, don't forget to drop the ball is one of those going, did I remember to do this with this person or this contact or this prospect or this uh, opportunity, etc.? So the idea is that realistically you're able to create a set of tasks that actually link also into Outlook and the whole to-do stuff that comes from Microsoft. Um, and, and the reality is you can create sequence steps. So for example, you pre-configure a, a set of rules that says a lead comes in from a website comes in um, to the leads area, through a queue or wherever, and in short, it creates a task to say, have a phone call within two days of that lead arriving. Then based on that being complete, it says right now go do this. And it gets you to a point that it's qualifying them to then progress the opportunity. Now, it's not just off a lead, but the idea is that it's trying to automate some of the process steps um, and activities to help guide what your day is supposed to be um, kind of doing as such as a, as a salesperson. So it, it's trying to help drive you to be more efficient, I guess is the guess way to put it. And and so that's from a user perspective, but the design of it is like a, it's like a bit like Visio. You kind of, you, in, in the same of Sales Accelerator, you start at the top, you go, what happens if and then you kind of flow, kind chart of flow it. charting it down. So again, it feels looking at the documentation, it's going to be quite easy to configure as okay. well okay. In, in the Which updates. I think the, uh, the the links to Microsoft to do is quite useful. I, I used to do a lot um, because if you're on a phone call or somebody asks you to do something, it's very easy to create a to-do within a few seconds rather than if I did it within maybe CRM, you've got to go in, you've got to find the opportunity or the record. And so it's, I'm, I'm, I love that tool. Um, I wouldn't put everything in there, but it's, it's interesting that Microsoft are allowing tasks from other apps now, Dynamics apps, to come into to-do. And, and I think the to-do stuff, I think we're starting to see more Microsoft's desire to want to integrate to-do because obviously to-do goes into Outlook mm. as well. 
and historically all tasks from CRM have gone into Outlook like a normal, you see a normal task in Outlook. So with to-do kind of making a, a bigger play in that person's list of tasks to get done, I'm trying to make them all link together clearly clearly makes some sense. So hopefully that will be nice and smooth when it when it evolves and we see the updates in uh, I think the general availability is due for October. So it is one of those ones that will will come quite early in wave wave two releases. Okay. Second one you'd you'd mentioned uh, a seller dashboard. So yeah, so that? So those that have known CRM for a long time you've got your views, you've got your system dashboards, etc. They haven't really fundamentally changed. We had interactive dashboards turn up a little while ago, um, but not really a fact that else. What Microsoft is seemingly starting to do now, as opposed to really changing how the core dashboards are working, they're actually bringing more reporting tools and mechanisms into the, to, in addition to what's there, not enhancing what's there as such so we had that with the deal manager dashboard that's been about now and um, released for a little while which i always think seems to get more of the management level you can see a picture of all the deals which is great rather than to interrogate a salesperson it it is and the idea is you're setting metrics at deal manager dashboard um as such the idea now is that the new one that they're plan to bring out in wave two is the seller dashboard so it's more about me as an individual Um, and it's trying to give me as an individual a summarized view collectively in in one place across accounts contacts leads opportunities um, and and my interactions with the the businesses I work with um, on on a regular basis or the people I work with on a regular basis so it's it's designed to be again in a a dashboard that's a single page, but it's going to be separate to the main dashboards um, or the native dashboards that we've always been used to. So again, trying to give more insight to me as an individual, what I'm doing, what I'm behind on, what I need to um, do better on or where I'm doing well, um, where my engagements are good with customers, etc. So it's one of those where we talk about AI with Microsoft and they're looking at data and giving you insights of what what to do. I think this is a step in the direction of trying to give some dashboards or reports or insights front and centre, opposed to what used to be just a relationship assistant that appeared on a form on an account going, you have an opportunity closing soon for this particular business. Um, so again, I think it's a step in the right direction. Obviously, Power BI has been used a lot as well, and I'll come on to Power BI in the Power Platform updates. Um, so it's trying to find that balance now of what do I use in, when it comes to reporting in CRM? Do I use my native dashboards do uh, and charts and pie charts and that kind of stuff? Do I have lists in my dashboards? Do I just have system views and the updates that have come with that and how they're trying to make the old advanced finds go away and, and make it easier front and center? Do I look at Deal Manager? Do I look at this new seller dashboard? Do I look at Power BI? Because the standard connectors from CRM into Power BI. So uh, I think the key thing is it's it's going to be an interesting challenge for people like us as a partner to go to our customers and go, actually, what's your requirement? What's What are you looking to achieve from a, a, a dashboard report point of view and what tool should you use? Power BI is always great at the helicopter view. Um, CRM has, it natively has always been good at the to an extent, the real time here and now, what's what's going on, what do I quickly want to look at, even as a user kind of point of view. But it's nice to see that 
even with Microsoft and Power BI, they're still knowing that actually they're still valuing the dashboards inside of CRM that people want to use. Yeah. And hopefully um, that will that will come December, I think is the plan. So a little bit uh, halfway through the kind of the wave two set of releases. So we'll see where that comes out, but I can definitely see that being used internally for Techman. That's for yeah, sure. I, I like the out of the box dashboards because sometimes I think you, you sit down and decide what you want for reporting. And it's quite difficult to know <laughs> what you want on there. You've got a, a few key things that you know you need, but when, yeah. when Microsoft have designed one and all the research and, and background and the, the experience they've got with hundreds, millions of customers, it's quite nice when they generate something. You think, oh, because I'd never thought of displaying it like that, or, yeah. or met, tracking that metric, or, or targeting those. It's it's a bit. In, it gives you a bit of inspiration of what you can do. And I think that that's. It's all we, we get asked a few times from customers. We want to know. We've 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 got these systems. We Microsoft. Their their corporate ways of um, showcasing their tools is is very pleasing dashboards and reports and stuff like that which management level if that's what i see and i don't need to look at the detail underneath it great it gives me what i need but it, it, it's a case of the, what's the art of the possible and you've got to get your data right of course inside of core crm or any application but microsoft giving you more kind of ideas and ways of slicing your data it, it does help um because sometimes when it comes to reporting you're always starting from a blank canvas to an extent Okay, okay. So the next one, um, probably as we wrap up with sales, but I think this probably goes across all the areas we're going to talk about today, is the continued evolution of uh, an improvement of what you can do with Teams and Dynamics 365. Yeah, um, this isn't, uh, like you said, this isn't sales specific. Um, This is across sales, customer service, etc. of of the core CRM um, package. And we had... um, I think it was last year um, now, where Microsoft bought out Teams integration inside of CRM. You could hit your top right-hand corner um, and look, click your kind of Teams chat message, and all of a sudden you could then go and create a new message regarding that particular record that you were on. So that particular case, as an example, that you're on, and you want to then say, could you just have speech to someone internally? Could you give a a quick cast over this and give me your thoughts on this, please. And it would give them a hyperlink in the Teams message that would appear on their normal kind of Teams desktop. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be able to kind of collaborate and chatter out that record without trying to say, can you go and look at and try and copy and paste the URL? It's kind of quicker. One of the one of the challenges um, that, or one of the, the pitfalls initially, is that that's great. The chat is accessible. It's it's a hidden chat. You can go find them and you can go relook at those chats inside of CRM. But that chat against that particular case record or that particular record that you're in CRM, it, it, it doesn't save it. It doesn't go into that timeline. So the idea is that when did I last have a chat with somebody about this? Oh, well, I spoke to you on Teams. Well, hopefully you would hope that that case record would have that mm. chat inside of it. Wave two the chats are now going to be embedded inside of the timeline. So it's going to be shown as a proper activity as, as we've always wanted. So yeah. again, I think that's a really good step forward in, in that. I think it's it was a, well done Microsoft for bringing teams into CRM, but actually you've missed a fundamental gap here compared to how the timeline works. So 
Um, well, so the amount of times we use Teams these days for communication, it's it's more than email for me. So internally, when we're talking to each other, so <laughs> yeah, you, you want that track down your and, and I think the the idea as well is within Teams and and CRM and like the customer service workspace and stuff like that. What they're also trying to do is trying to get um, manage some tasks as well from within Teams and within CRM and make it more collaborative. And we're planning to see, and this is more probably early 2023 functionality that's coming out, we're going to start to see even more kind of collaboration and shared working spaces for CRM activities within Teams, which then does lend itself to the whole, we heard last year, um, that Microsoft wants to make dynamic CRM apps um, and Business Central we've heard as well, um, more accessible um, within Teams to the wider business that don't necessarily have a license for CRM. And you can't justify giving them a license because they very, very ad hoc would go into the system. Now, certain information, they or we're going to be able to expose certain levels of information inside of Teams that you don't need a, a CRM license for. You've just got your Office 365 license. Yeah. So again, that's another way of trying to bring the ecosystem together of Microsoft, which again is becoming pretty much unrivaled compared to our competitors. Indeed. And I think that links nicely into when we move into customer service, the first area you've highlighted and when I was looking at some of this after you highlight them. This this one I really think stands out as a really useful tool for our business as a, as a support yeah. desk. So this is on customer service and it was something they've termed as swarming, which is a uh, an intriguing name. Yeah, so swarms, um, they, they first released swarms a little while ago. The idea was um, very much off a case as an example. You've got this complex case and it needs more than just the person owning the case to get involved and typically we might go and reassign a case to somebody and it gets reassigned to somebody else and then somebody else comes in and hovers over the shoulder and says, yeah, this is what we do and stuff like that. But there's no history of really who you spoke with and who you bring it into that conversation. Swarms is, is very much a case of trying to collaborate together across multiple people to deal with a problem. Yeah. Um, the idea now is they're trying to bring enhancements to, the, to, to kind of customer support, swarming as such, uh, to deal with these complex issues and the idea is that, again, they want to enable the swarm area, if you call it like a collaboration area, a whiteboard is a bit more structured than that, but the idea is that processes, tasks, etc., can be in this area for this particular case that multiple people can work on. So not only is that available inside of CRM, if the users are CRM, um, and but if, the, if you have to bring in people that are outside of the core CRM day-to-day use, and you say, well, they use Teams, bring them into the kind of the Teams area and use uh, a swarm area inside of Teams and collaborate there together. And again, solve, and you put all your notes, you put your, manage your task, et cetera, and what everybody's been working on. And hopefully that collaboration in one central place allows you to deal with that case quickly and not miss a trick either, because someone said, oh, they passing comment, they told me how to. They can just put in the, the swarm as such of how to deal with it as such so it's it's really really cool kind of stuff again it's more the complex issues challenges problems but every every business has it we have it with when customers come to us with this piece of development has gone a little bit awry which it's software can happen and then you're having to get kind of some senior developers involved the original project team involved and go well what's going on 
and what was it meant to do and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got the support consultant. So again, customers can have it around a product problem that they've got, they've then got to get the engineering team back involved and go, well, do we need to go and change something? And does it then become a non-conformance or whatever? So again, really cool from a complex issue management kind of piece. Yeah, I, re- I really like that one. I thought it was really, really interesting and probably because you know, we've all done our time on the support desk here at Techman that it would have been really useful. And, and as you said, it gives you that, that history and uh, available to go back and look at who helped and and the resource from our point of view who actually co- had to come into this to solve this problem so it's, it's useful okay and following on with that i guess we we come on to something else with from a support calls which is slas service level agreements we yeah. build into contracts we have to resolve solutions or deal with problems in a, in a, a timely manner that's contractually um agreed what have they added because they've been around for a while and so they have, what have they added this they time? have and then they chain they they updated it they they made some of the old sla functionality kind of deprecated and and i think the the deadline officially that the old functionality of slas gets turned off this october and then you just got to be on to the the latest kind of functionality that's in the background around slas but what they've done in addition to this now is is slas that they've introduced this or introducing this concept of active and on hold durations uh, within SLAs. So the idea is that an active duration shows the business hours that you set as a business inside of CRM. Your SLAs will run and be on during those active business hours, opposed to a SLA that's running, but actually I'm not at work, nobody's at work. So uh, how, how it, it's an active SLA is to go along, but no one's there to be able to work on it. So the idea is that we can manage and understand and report on active SLA hours. And then we've got on hold, and there might be instances where actually you've passed it back to the customer or somebody else where you deem that actually, I'm not gonna be penalized for that SLA because it's not with me. I can't actively work on it at this moment in time, so I'm gonna put it on hold. Um, and then it stops the timer, as an example. And then from that point, of, CRM might still tag and track how long the case has been open from start to finish, mm-hmm. but the actual KPI, the target itself, you put it on hold because it's been given to a third party to do it back to the customer to deal with. So the idea is now you can actually manage and put that SLA on hold and be able to report of how long uh, cases with SLAs have been set up on hold and how long they've been active, etc. So it's another level of reporting around SLA as opposed to it just being a, this is my less. Sounds crude, it's a bit more involved than this, but my SLA's on, my SLA's done, my SLA's succeeded, my SLA's not succeeded, it's cancelled or whatever. So it's allowing people that run a lot of targets around their customer service, this is giving more accuracy to how the team are actually working opposed to a, the team going back at you going, well, that's not a true representation because actually we weren't available or we passed it back to the customer for four hours. Yeah. yeah. So again, a nice little touch, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good improvement because as you said, once you're on SLAs, it's, it's a big thing. You know, if you've promised a customer something and as the organization that has to do that, it's good to have that extra information to see that, you know, we've stopped the clock for a reason. Yeah. And, and, and again, if there is if there are people or things that are happening where it's falling down the gaps, you can see where. So it, you can never, that's not a bad thing at all. So I think if yeah. you're using SLAs, it's definitely worth having a look at if you can uh, use use these new functionalities. Yeah. Okay, um, voice support. So um, this is on the omni-channel stuff. Yeah, so it, it's obviously links into like power, 
um, virtual agents and stuff like that is is what the omni some of the omni channel functionality uses. Um, we've known for a while omni channel can connect to things like Twitter, Facebook, um, can work with um, SMS and, and and other tools. So this is just to push omni channel. Is this pushing information out? You talked about like the social side of things there. That it, it's more about taking information in. Okay. Um, so so it's, it's looking at certain Twitter accounts or hashtags it, or something like. It's that. I've got a problem. I'm going to send a DM to Twitter. I'm going to send a DM to Facebook. I'm going to go on the website and start and start a chat on the chat function, and then it's going to come in. And the omni-channel functionality allows that basically those messages to go directly into CRM, go into the timeline, raise a case, deal with a problem, that kind of stuff. So it was doing kind of very much the. I'm typing something. I guess is the best way to put it. I'm typing into a chat. I'm typing on Twitter. I'm typing on Facebook. I'm I'm typing on an SMS or whatever. The idea what it didn't have is the voice support. Now the voice support has, has come, um, but not everywhere. So the idea is the best way to describe it, you pick up the phone, you call a support number to the bank or somebody and it's a bot that answers you to start off with, then asks you for your name, asks you to validate who you are, that kind of information before you then get past to a human, so they've already got that information of validation already, and roughly what your call's about. Yeah. Pick up the phone to your TV, broadband, sports package provider. What are you calling about today, etc. And the idea is that Omnichannel now supports that, so you can link that into your team's kind of business voice kind of functionality, or you've got the ability to link it in um, through your own voice over IP system if you don't use Microsoft for your phone system. The idea is you've got to connect it through like Azure voice services to kind of make it connect to your voice over IP system. Got launched in America first, um, UK hasn't been available. But the idea is that this kind of bot in the voice is now going to be available from October in the UK, which is great. Mm. Um, makes probably the, the omni-channel piece more complete especially if you're running a, de a support desk that you have phone calls as well as just emails and social media coming in and people want the choice and you want to be as efficient of how to manage those calls coming in. Uh, and then into managing those calls, the two things that we're used to in day-to-day -day lives um, is the uh, voicemail. Sometimes you leave a voicemail for the business that you want to contact and then they'll give you a call back. That voicemail will now land inside of Omnichannel, land inside of CRM, and allow someone then to go and follow up on it. So that voicemail goes and makes it available. Um, the also is the callback. If how many times do we sit in queues? You are in position twelve. You have thirty minutes to go, and you've got no choice but to stick it out for thirty minutes. But there's also some businesses that sit there going, "We are quite busy at this moment in time." Um, Click one if you would like us to call you back when you are next in the queue. Yeah. Clearly, you are always going to offer, <laughs> call me back, please, when when when, you, when you're ready. That is now going to be supported. Which is pretty cool. So that's that's pretty cool. The the other we haven't got time to go into the whole voice voice kind of support functionality, but it will record it. It will keep you get an amount of storage that you can keep your calls for. It will give you like sentiment analysis. It will try and pick up tasks. It will try and give you the transcript and for the voice recording as well to put into CRM. If you have a lot of phone calls from a support desk and it that's what you do as a key engagement, um, then it, sounds like you, a podcast you pay, episode. Yeah, you pay a premium for this, 
but I think it's I think it's wicked. Okay, okay. Well, put it on the list, and there's something to talk about in more detail um, uh, in another Techman Talks Dynamics. Okay, um, carrying on with what's coming in this release, moving on to the marketing side of things, and you've you've listed a, a few here, three or four, but so we're looking at another out of the box um, analytics dashboard around B two B business to business. Yeah, so uh, the, the dashboards that come out of the marketing app as standard are a bit poor, I think. Um, there's some Power BI template dashboards that you can turn on and connect into, but that means a Power BI license. What they're trying to do now is, is again, give you a bit more out of the box. So um, plans at the end of the year, I think it's December, that it's going to be general availability. There's going to be a, a new B2B analytics kind of dashboard that tells you about your journeys, your interactions, etc. Um, so it's a bit more insight that's readily available for what it is that you're working with the marketing app for. So probably a little bit long time coming. I think um, kind of horse bolted a little bit. I think Microsoft launched the product, got a lot of the core functionality working, and then reporting's kind of then coming in. And I, that that's my opinion. They're now starting to put more effort, I think, into the 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 marketing reporting elements to to the tool, so that's a that's a welcome addition in my opinion. Um, the the other piece is the lead capture forms. So we've got marketing forms where you can put a form on a website on a landing page that kind of stuff to put information in. They're now creating something called lead capture forms. So it's a bit more like the contact us forms is what I'm kind of understanding at this moment in time. And um, you want someone to get involved contact you back and that kind of stuff so there's there's a desire to have an engagement as such not just i want to download a white paper or an ebook or a fact sheet the idea is that it's going to help with kind of data validation around how that data comes into the system and and make it those forms a bit more um intuitive and more suited to kind of the lead process trying to um start that sales process as, as, as best as you can opposed to just a, a standard marketing form which is a blank canvas so still got a bit of detail to stick around that if i'm honest it feels that i gotta see it before you make a full judgment but it's certainly a step in the right direction um, from kind of microsoft are making a big play about the start to the end of the sales process and trying to track how it comes in to how you land it to how you win it and the time scales from start to finish I think this is just supporting Microsoft's way to to really get that better picture of the end end to end of the sales process. Yeah. Um, then the final one, um, we've talked about real time marketing um, before. Um, I'm sure it was talked about on Wave One. We're starting to use some of that real time marketing with our customers now, which um, it's like behaviour based. When this happens in the system, when the when this contact has this set of criteria against it send them this information moments-based marketing has been discussed or mentioned in in wave two release and it's kind of an evolution on top of real-time marketing or with real-time marketing to an extent so i use the it's it's making it slicker um around easy example i've logged in or i to a a site where I can buy something. I've put something in the basket. I haven't checked out. I got the family caught me and I got sidetracked. I then get an email say, you've still got stuff in your basket. Do you want to check out? But the idea is that Moment Space can also keep 
doing that as long as your checkout basket is still there for a period until your website says cancel all, cancel all baskets after 48 hours. Um, and then the idea is that you don't do it first time, it'll send you another one in three hours time going, hey, we really want you to check out, here's 10% off, use this code. So the idea is that it's trying to follow up and moments-based marketing is trying to get you to do something, not just inform you, but get you to actually take an action yeah. for it. So again, the other one from a, uh, another example is that you might have logged in, you can register for an event um, and you started to put the information in, but then you stopped and you could and you can understand that it was part filled in form, never completed. You can then send a message to say, hey, you haven't completed registration to our event. You need to finish, finish this off. You don't want to miss out. So again, moments-based marketing is, 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 with kind of real-time marketing as well, kind of really making sure that you've got your touch points to your customers at the right time. Yeah, and Struggle I think from from our point of view, not just trying to convert sales, but trying to inform and educate customers at the right time is only going to help kind of improve the trust in that relationship as well, opposed to a... Um, they know they always get a newsletter off us on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or whichever. The idea is if they do something and something gets tagged, then they get a set of communication there, there and then, and they don't need to wait for somebody in customer services or somebody somewhere else to go and send that information. It's very much on point as such. Okay. So again, marketing, um, one of those tools where a lot of money clearly has been spent in that area. Um, and it's... Like I say, we've talked previously about the cost of it, but it's definitely a, uh, I, I, I definitely like marketing. Oh, well, me too. It's one of my favorite parts of the project and one that we use internally a lot. So I'm um, always interested to see what's coming out. Okay, I think you, we've already covered probably the final bit that we got on the general CRM stuff, which was this better teams and outlook integrations. I think we've, we've touched on that. So yep. I don't think there's any need to go back over that. So let's move on to the Power Platform. Um, and what and what Microsoft are, are starting to offer there, uh, we get these lovely phrases like the Dataverse that we uh, we, we we know that sounds like something out of a Marvel movie. But go on, explain explain what they're doing with Power Platform and, and the general. Um. <laughs> so I'm going to try and keep this as uh, non-tech high level as I can, because some of the updates that come out are, are very accustomed, and people that work in it every single day get it and understand it. I'm gonna try my best to put this in layman's terms so our customers can yeah. kind of understand what actually is coming out and what it's gonna to mean to them and why why it's good. Yeah. Um, well, this so, is for if this is for end users, and I know some are very technical and very in detail, but yeah, let's keep it at that level and see how we go. So let's start with the general dataverse, so the general overall kind of platform, the database where, which holds the data, the tables, um, the, underlyingly and then what you build on top of. So um, you, people may have heard of what is called PowerFX, an, an expression language. Um, what is it? If anyone's ever gone and created um, Power Apps, Canvas Apps, um, and started to build out at that top bar um, to start to write out what how you want the app to work and the functions in there and the rules in there, that is kind of PowerFX. Um, so it's a low-code language. language to build. Absolutely, it's a low-code. Simple, simple solution. Yeah. Um, so the idea is that um, I, I use the term previously in what I've just said, but what PowerFX is coming is that 
they're trying to bring business rules or they're going to bring PowerFX and business rules together or enable the functionality. Um, and, and what does that essentially mean? Uh, if, for those that use CRM um, or have built model-driven apps, etc., you've got sections to pages. Um, so you've got a, a sections in your page of holding information. You've got tabs at the top of your CRM account form, which might say account details, account management, related opportunities, whichever. And you click on the tabs and it takes you to different areas of that related account. If you've ever if, if you've ever had all that information, but for example, your accounts have customers and suppliers in it because you do two lots of management, you might have tabs that are more relevant to suppliers. You might have more tabs that are relevant to customers. Yeah. So if the account relation type equals customer, well, you don't want the tabs to show that are supplier related. Over years gone by, you've had to write things like JavaScript to kind of show and hide kind of those functionalities, PowerFX and business rules coming to this expression language is essentially going, we're going to be able to do kind of setting visibility of tabs um, and locking functionality fields, areas, what we would call business rules, uh, where we've historically needed JavaScript, we're going to be able to do, hopefully, when we see lands, of course, we're going to be able to do a lot of that in the PowerFX and what does that mean? Well, basically it means it's low code. You are using the Power Platform to deliver the solution, not having to go and have different coding knowledge and skill set to go and achieve the results. So again, it's clearly not gonna get rid of JavaScript entirely, of course it's not, but it's another reason to say, I'm working within the Power Platform. Gotcha. So again, pretty cool. That's, that. I think for those that, write business rules um, in model-driven apps, CRM, or just in the Power Platform in general, I think that's gonna be a big big bonus to those guys. And would you class it almost similar to when people used to write quite complex macros within Excel? Yeah. It's like the Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, you would, uh, as, a, as a best comparison, I'd probably say that's fair, yeah. So if people are comfortable doing that, they might want to have at least a look and have a little play with PowerFX just to see what it's capable of and yeah. if they might be able to do something as we know, little knowledge can be dangerous, but um, it's it's always good to understand what what's achievable with that. Yeah. And, and I guess the the next level up, or well, from a workflow point of view, you then go into Power Automate, which is again part of the Power Platform. Another tool we've got. What what have they added? So, um, in terms of Power Automate, um, couple. Um, so we've got the O Data Editor in Cloud Flows. So explain now, O Data because we hear this. Uh, OData is, is, is it, it's how it's, it's pulling, it's how you're connecting um, your flow to get data from a source. So it's like a protocol that connects different yeah. data sources yeah. together. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we've heard a lot over the past year or two about um, OAuth 2, OData, etc., and make it secure ways to get your data from a from a, a source location to be able to do something with it maybe return it back with a result or pass it from one place to another place yeah. um but the idea is that um typically those those queries with odata you've it's it's been in syntax it's been quite technical is the best way of putting it um and you've really got to get your head around what kind of it means you're trying to find guids you're trying to find um some quite technical under the hood 
kind of convent naming conventions and, and and how you would kind of return a value um, to be able to write your kind of flow, I guess is the best way of putting it. The new editor um, is essentially trying to allow you to to easily from that kind of source with OData pick your field, pick an operator and look at the values to compare. So it's a bit more designed to help be a bit more front-end friendly opposed to being really tech savvy on, on, on under the hood. Um, I think for those that have used syntax, you've got, if you don't use it very often, it takes you a while to get back into it, I guess is the best way of putting it. The idea with the, the new editor is trying to be a bit more friendly that you don't have to be working in Power Automate on a really regular basis, I guess. Um, so that's coming in October, according to the general availability. Um, so again, I think that's a really good one. And I think that's not just even for customers and end users. Our team is, is really happy about that coming down the line as well. Then um, approvals. So I guess it's, it, it's a topic. It's been a topic in Business Central. It's a, it, it, it's a topic in CRM. It's a topic in workflow in general. Um, we know that um, Business Central, for example, has workflow capability out of the box. Um, Power Automate, we've used with Business Central and SaaS to try and enhance what approvals can do and approving in Outlook, approving in Teams and stuff like that. What's coming now? Multi-level approvals in Power Automate. So the idea is that you can divide multiple levels and stages inside of the flow itself. Um, so adding a bit more logic to the flow opposed to maybe having to store a table or lots of logic somewhere else that kind of flows looking at the transaction or looking at this particular function in the system, this particular record, then looking at somewhere else that's got the levels in it, then going back and running the flow and kind of going, yeah, okay, I'm approving. Yeah. Now I'm saying it's gonna have the levels and the stages inside of flow itself. Um, and the idea, and a good thing is that you then think about history, what happens when it's approved or not approved. Um, and you're gonna be able to see the history inside of Power Automate as well. So for example, if you've got four levels, and it gets rejected at level three, you can be able to look in the history of that flow to say where, who, where it was rejected and why and who it was rejected by and stuff like that. So um, I think that's gonna help reduce some complexity of using flow for approvals moving forward because flow, Power Automate is great for its flexibility, but it, it needed to be looking at stuff to understand what the levels and the stages were. If some of that functionality is now coming within I'm not saying we'd have to deal with every problem, but coming within Power Automate and Cloudflows itself, yeah, I think that's gonna enable us inside of, with BC, as well as inside of CRM, on opportunities, on contracts, etc. I think it's gonna enable approvals to be far more powerful using Power Automate now. Okay, important part of most most business processes is a sort of level of approvals, so that's good. Um, so let's jump down to probably the, 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 the initial Power App, which is Power BI. Um, we've talked a little bit about what Microsoft added into the core product with some of the, um, the dashboards already, we've looked at earlier. What have they done for Power BI? So th there's lots. Um, as with everything you get the gist of, um, I'll pick one per area. Um, premium, what, what are they doing in premium? So, the analytics side of it. So it's not so much what 
the user see around premium and 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 the, and the fancy stuff that you can do around extra storage and all that kind of stuff but the idea is that in premium clearly you've got the ability to create bigger data sets potentially more logic or you want to put more logic into it because the license gives you the ability to do more the the reality is is like any data set and model the more you put into it the more challenge it could be to maintain how is performance going to work if you're trying to put kind of the whole kind of logic of cubes and stuff like that and maybe use some of power bi more so what it's what they're coming to give you is more analytics so they're going to give you um information on the data sets uh, the the load of the engine, the query performance, the refresh rate behavior, and stuff like that. So when people are going, again, it's taking X amount of time to refresh. It's got this amount of data in it, etc. You can, as a as a Power BI consultant or someone that's like a business analyst, can go and look under the hood and say, well, actually, do we need to change this data set and do we need to change this model to be more efficient? And how do we go and change it? And the analytics is going to point you in directions of maybe, hopefully, where you can go change and improve. So again, from a premium point of view, when you're getting more and more data inside of Power BI that you'll kind of kind of churn through and, and calculate as such as well, is I think that's going to be a, a really important feature as more data gets inside of that in environment. But that's right on the cusp of the end of wave two and not planned to be released until March next year. Um, Pro, and probably this is a bit more front end. So we know that when we're designing um, our, our reports and our dashboards, um, we're using Power BI Desktop. We're putting our sources together, we're doing it locally, and then we're gonna go and put it in a service account that's gonna run on a schedule that makes it available for multiple people to see. Um, in terms of try, obviously a lot around Power BI and reporting is tables, data, relationships, how it all links together so you can visualize it in the right way and make it make sense. Um, Power Query, um, they're bringing a diagram view into Power BI Desktop, which is allowing me to visualize my tables and my fields and links between in a very visual view of how to then go and I need to add another relationship. I need to, so you can build it out. As humans, a lot of us, and not all of us, a lot of us learn and understand things easier when it's visual opposed to lists of, of data. So this is again a visual view to try and help connect data points together to be able to build data sets and reports in an easier way. So I think for me personally i'll probably find it easier to create power bi reports with the power query, power query diagram view that's coming okay uh, well that makes complete sense the idea of the visualization of it it does it does become simpler because you can see the way of uh, well, what you're trying to connect to and what you're trying to do so yeah that would make sense okay and power pages is the one i think we're going to finish with here what 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 are power pages? If you can sum that up in two sentences, it's one I'm not very very aware of. Who do you want to who do you want to answer that question? Because everybody seems to over the past few months have had a differing opinion. Well, um, you're the yeah. expert on the on in front, um, in front of the mic. You tell me what you think. Expert is that my time to leave? <laughs> um, power page. So we've had portals. Yeah. Um, Microsoft's history um, with CRM and portals and stuff like that. Um, Portals obviously link into 
um, the Dataverse and CRM and stuff like that. Um, so Power Portals, to an extent, the name is no more. Power Pages is the replacement. However, Power Pages is more than just portals. So the idea is Pages is also allowing you to design websites. So if you're going to go and use WordPress, for example, to go and do a basic collateral page without any real e-commerce, you could go and do it in Power Pages potentially instead. Um, but for us, where where do we see it? Where will we do more of it? It's still the portal side of it. So basically, the portals are included in Pages uh, as such. And the idea is you still got your templates of your customer service um, that we use for our support desk, etc. Um, but from our point of view, what Power Pages is bringing to the table is um, better ways to design those websites. I guess is the best way of putting it. Is the is the exciting way of putting it. So it's a bit more drag and drop, um, templates, color, styling. So. I'm not saying it's going to get rid of kind of um, kind of development for kind of people use liquid people use, in terms of terminology. We talk about CSS, um, true kind of web development. It's not removing that, but for people that are low code, no code, or people that want to get something that is functional, for example, as a portal, but it's more about being functional. It's got to look okay, but you could be able to do more of your design elements yourselves um, than having to rely on a web developer to go and do a lot, pretty much majority, majority so of it. So it's giving you a good base and your foundation if you want to get something up and, and running quickly and easily, but not not, not as, as smart or as flashy as some of the other stuff, but like you said, functional. Absolutely. And and there's a new studio designer coming um, a new admin centre. There's some updated templates. So for example... The, a, a new template that is coming um, as part of Power Pages is like an employee onboarding. So you've got a new starter, you've got employee onboarding, there's a, a Power Page as such, you can start that process and send it on and get them to, uh, can you send me your national insurance number? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And send it an email, send them on a Power Page, Power page with that template and get them all to fill it in. It comes back, come back to you, and it's now sitting inside of your environment, so you can take that information and it's all in one place. So again, they've added a couple of templates, but for me, the the big one or the big areas of it will be the updated admin centers, the design studio, and a few of the information to make it kind of the aesthetics, make it easier to make it look better, quicker, opposed to relate relying on developers and such like that it's not removing the need for developers but it's making it e easier as such we do a lot of portals but we don't have an abundance of web developers sitting there waiting to create really pretty stuff mm -hmm. i guess is the best way of putting it so but i think power pages as a whole it's exciting i think the reality is is that i think a lot of power pages and the concept of the new designers and the updates and stuff like that about how easy it's going to be has been born out of the kind of Dynamics 365 commerce idea where it's a website with commerce and it's kind of, you can design it yourself and you've got templates and different colors and it's easy, easy, easier from that perspective. I think Power Pages has nicked or Microsoft have purposely chosen that it uses a lot of that type of concept around it as well. So I think for me, it, it, there's a lot of general availability that's stating end of year and into next year with this. So I think um, 
Portals is clearly still available right now and we can still implement portals. Yeah. But some of the newer functionality, I think we're still um, in the very early days, I guess is the best way of putting it. So um, don't expect too much too quickly by the end of this year is, is my, I don't want to sound cynical, but my honest way of putting it. Okay, okay. but it's giving us, we know what's coming down the down the track now at least. And yeah, that's and, the way and I think for, for, for our team, um, we, we, we think this is a great step forward because um, ADX Studio was hard work. Um, Power Portals were a little less hard work, but still hard work to, from a design point of view. If this Power Pages makes it easier, um, it won't be perfect, mm. let's be realistic, but if it, it's a step in the right direction, then it's clearly gonna it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, for those people that are very old like me, Microsoft used to have something called Front Page uh, back in about 98, yes. 99 yeah, I, in the I, early I, I do remember that. Um, which, was, which was a great way to get a that's, very that's basic like, website. Yeah, you're bringing out Clippy there as well. Well, you? it probably could have been before Clippy, but yeah, yeah, we are going back in the... Uh, but it was a good, good little product. So it's good to see them coming back to looking at some, um, some web, web design stuff and making it a bit easier uh, for us to get up and running. Okay, um, Jace, thank you. I think that's a good no overview worries. of what we're doing. Um, I guess it's... You know, it's easy to talk about these things. I'm assuming that when we get round to the, when this is coming out um, in the autumn, it, it probably coincides roughly when our, our user days. Yep. So I'm sure, I know we've got quite a big presence for our customers at our user day this year around, I'll call it CRM and the Power Platform. So I'm sure some of this stuff will be showcased yep. if, if it's out and available that, to us. That's so the plan. that'll be good if people want to look at it in more detail. And of course they can always contact you and the team um, if, if they need more information. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, it, the, the way these waves come round, it's it's crazy. It won't be long before we're back here again in the spring doing wave one twenty three. Um, they they just come out quickly. So, uh, but thanks for for educating uh, myself definitely and, and anyone who's listening. Uh, always good to have your company on the uh, on the podcast. Cool. No worries at all. Thank you. Thank you.